We are pro-cannabis media. When Warren Barbaro isn't writing for Forbes magazine, he's probably mixing up his favorite rum drink or consuming his favorite blend of cannabis sativa. Bob Rowe is a party master, and now he's on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. <laughs> he's an Emerson College graduate, class of 84. Uh, 85 was my graduate year, but I should have been 84, but anyway. <laughs> and I'm, I took a lot of drugs. <laughs> Well, it was the 80s after all, I just want to say. Uh, that being said, uh, Warren is also a freelance writer for Forbes? Correct, yes. And Forbes magazine, obviously the premier business magazine in the United States and around the world. And one of their great additions every year is when you guys rank the sports teams, because I am a you know, sports nut. I heard that you were a sports guy, and it's very funny that I would not be a sports guy, but sports and not sports, there must be something there. But more importantly, there's other things that we do have in common. One, not, I'm not an author. He's had six books. Six books, yes. Can you tell me a little bit about the six books without going into each detail? Because you are a mixologist, a master mixologist, which means you're comfortable with alcohol, and I think you're also comfortable with cannabis, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I, I wanted to write books that introduced a consciousness of the way things were done back in the 1800s. So I wrote my first book, Apothecary Cocktails, set up the stage to be able to discuss things that went on in the early apothecary. Little did I know that alongside the early apothecary, there was an apothecary that used cannabis as, he as healing. And in the early part of the, I don't know, let's see, the 19th centuries, the 1800s, in the United States, they were using cannabis as an adjunct to healing, as well as alcohol. So alcohol, you would go to your pharmacist to be able to have a cocktail. But the only ingredient that really did anything was potentially the cannabis that they were using at the time. So you're, you're basically a medicine man when you get right. Well, uh, a snake oil medicine man. <laughs> <laughs> and That's, that leads into you know my family background in snake oil because my grandfather I mean, everyone's of a certain age they might not know this but he manufactured a product called geritol and geritol was little more than than whiskey it was ethyl alcohol caramel coloring and flavorings and it was meant to cure something called iron poor blood which no one had iron poor anemia but it was uh, snake oil, truly snake oil. So when people come to me and they say, will you please write about my CBD product? I say, my grandfather made it, Geritol. Look it up, snake oil, same thing. Same thing, and yet it does have medicinal qualities. You know, it this is the whole point. Well, whiskey did. My grandmother lived to 105, and she drank whiskey every day. So go figure. Quite the family. The Different, different Bob, Bob Rowe, but well, okay, what's the other side? Uh, my, well, that, she was the Bob Rowe side. The uh, Geritol side was Rosenhaus. Oh, my, my, like Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah, my cousin. Hence the cousin, right? Yeah. Okay, there you go. And still you don't like sports. You're not into sports. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Warren, I know you, you and I are kind of age appropriate. This is what I say anybody within 10 years of my age of 62 I like to talk to because you can relate. My wife's older than you are, but I won't tell you what her age is. She's seven years my senior, and I'm 58. Okay, so you do the math. Fair enough. I got, go. I got it. I actually could do that math. That being said, uh, I want to go back to uh, one of my kind of go-to questions is, did you ever think in your lifetime, 
and I'm just going to use Massachusetts because you went to school here, that cannabis would be in a legal state in Massachusetts for adults in 2020. Well, I always knew it was liberal here. And being probably the last liberal in New Jersey, I would say that I was not surprised that New Jersey is still illegal because they're so stigmatized against it. But Massachusetts and Maine have more of an open perspective to to cannabis and cannabis propagation and also to the enjoyment of cannabis in in public. I mean, I walk down the street in New York City and smell cannabis Grow, you know, burning, and I smell it here in Boston as well. But there are other places that I don't smell it, and that would be like Morristown, New Jersey, where I live. Because if you were to smoke cannabis in the street in Morristown, New Jersey, you'd probably get arrested. How I know I'm going out on a limb here, but one of the things that I rail against, and either we talk with Kurt and Jimmy or on In the Weeds, is the injustices of our criminal system, the fact that our jails are filled with people of color who have been arrested over the years for simple, not only people of color, a majority, however, for drug offenses. I had a experience with this in New York City, and Tell me about it, was not, it was not pretty. It was during the, uh, the Bloomberg era, and I was with my then wife, the first wife, and I was smoking in front of a restaurant named Esca, which is down on 42nd Street off of 8th Avenue, I believe. And I walked outside to smoke a joint because I'm not a big drinker, but I, you know, do drink socially. But you're a mixologist. You're a master mixologist. But I wasn't then. But I wasn't then. I was still, I was working in a bank and I was pretty conservative. I didn't have this, you know, long hair or anything. And I went out to smoke a joint and, and the police who arrested me said that they smelled it over three blocks away. It was BC Bud. I had just been in, out in... Uh, out in Vancouver, I brought some back with me. I lit it up, and boy, the world came down on me. Uh, and how did that work out for you? 48 hours in Rikers Island. It was not pretty. That kind of shakes me up a little bit, because when I hear stories, and I go back to those who have been most affected by the war and drugs and filling our prisons, I say, the only difference between me and those guys is they got caught, and they're, they're black, and I'm white. I never got caught. It's easy to get caught. And it's easy to get arrested, and it's easy to not be given the phone call that everyone else gets. And it's easy to be held in protective custody because they didn't charge me, so they could hold me indefinitely. It wasn't fun. And my late father, I remember at the time, he said it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Yes, it was a good thing that happened to me. No, it wasn't a good thing that happened. It was a good thing for the future because now I have credibility, but it wasn't a good thing because they literally took 48 hours of my life. Yeah. And it's Obviously, I can see the change in your tone and uh, not pleasant uh, 48 hours to say the least. They were, they were animals. They were animals. And, you know, at least the black kids, they stick together. And, you know, and the first thing that... that one of the, the biggest guys in, the, in the, the holding cell came up to me and said, what are you here for? And I said, I got caught smoking a joint. And he said, don't worry, you'll be okay. Wow. He said, good thing you didn't hurt a child because we'd be dead by now. Well, I teach, I teach kids anyway, so I, I try to give back to the next generation with some of the wisdom that I've learned. And I'm guessing that you probably have a little wisdom since you're, <laughs> since you're, you're a writer and you've been through some things that I would never have been yeah. through. Um, it's not law and order. No, it's a boom, boom. I had to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the future of cannabis, because right now 
we're in the most challenging time in my lifetime for a political situation, one of the biggest elections in the fall. It has become a political issue, more obviously on the Democratic side because there's 10 people in that race, maybe eight or nine. I haven't checked. You know, people are dropping out this morning. Um, but you mentioned uh, Michael Bloomberg. Um, what are your impressions of him, and is he, does he have a shot here? Oh, he absolutely has a shot. I think anyone has a shot. If I wanted to run for president, I would have a shot, too. Just look at the person that's up there. He has no experience. So, I mean, really, anyone could anyone could be anything they want to be. This in guy the, has kind of lowered the bar, hasn't he? He has absolutely lowered the bar. Uh, it, it is just pure scum. Oh, another thing we have in common. Um my, my late father was, you know, edified this man, and that's why we didn't speak for the at the end because he, you know, the 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 man couldn't do anything wrong, and I knew better. Yes. So, in fact, it's it, uh, barely a day goes by where he doesn't do anything wrong. Uh, what is right then? Well, <laughs> and we're not getting into right. That's right. Ethics. How about morality? How about respect? There's no and there's two two different types of law in this country. If I was to drive down Newbury Street at 100 miles an hour the wrong way, you bet that they would arrest me. Absolutely. You bet they would. And I actually would prefer that because they would be a threat to public safety. Of course, but there, there's an Im imminent threat right now yes. in this world, yes. and something has to be done. Jeez. And the best way to do is to register and to vote. Yeah, and it's what I tell these kids in my class every day. If you're over 18, it's probably the most important thing so, you'll ever do in your life. So in 2016, I was over in Moscow, in Russia. I was teaching a class at the Moscow Bar Show, an advanced class of rum. And every single person in the room did not want to talk about rum. They wanted to talk about, about why American kids don't vote. That's what they wanted to hear. That's what they, they had an American in front of them. I, I was the only one there at the, at the Moscow Bar Show that year. And they wanted to know why Americans their age, don't vote. And what could I say? I was told, I have two handlers, and they said, don't talk politics. And I know not to talk politics in Russia. Everyone wanted to know about politics. And that was the most interesting conversation that I've had in many years because they would give their left arm to be able to vote and vote in a free election, yet American youth does not vote. And I'm not quite sure we can debate the free election part since you have to drop billions of dollars on media to even run in this country. Oh, yeah. And that eliminates just about everything. That's why Bloomberg, you know, he's, he is who he is. And I think he's, good. I think he's a good guy. I haven't met him. He's a self-made person. I'm self-made, so I understand completely where he's coming from. And uh, that scares a lot of people. He softened his approach on cannabis. I believe it just came out today. He's talking about decriminalizing well, it. Good. I mean, because Biden has done nothing but, but, but speak out against it. So he lost my vote. Even though I would still vote the party line, still, as a person, I felt very poorly about him that he would say that, that it was stigmatized still. And it is stigmatized still. And that's, that's the difficulty that I see. There's a huge stigma. We're getting, we're moving closer, though we're moving the envelope. And look, the NCIA, the lobbyist group that's running this um, Northeast Cannabis Business Expo here at the Heinz Auditorium in Boston, which is where we're doing this interview and where you and I met, um, they've done a great job of at least getting attention mm -hmm. and pushing 
um, the federal government to at least recognize that the states have a different idea about this and really just want to be left alone to do whatever they want to do. Good, for luck, good luck with that in New Jersey because drugs are bad. I mean, truly. And even though I have a cannabis card in New Jersey to be able to smoke as any place that cigarettes are smoked, still, I don't like to smoke in public because I would have to go into the system. If I was arrested, they would, you know, check my name out, make sure I have, I have the right you know, supply what I have in my bag here, you know, we look, really want to go into your bag, don't you, Warren? I have, all these, I, have, I have stuff from all over the world, you know, maybe not all over the world, but all over the United States. And the problem is it's illegal. So we have right. uh, we this have one here is the Shaolin, the Shaolin Kanagar. Yeah. Uh, can, uh, can we open this one? Yeah, sure. You can uh, open it up. I used to call this a Boomba. Here, you open yeah, it because I've got arthritic fingers. You know, these containers are not made for people with arthritic, con no, uh, you know, they're made for to keep children out. But kids. and to keep kids away from Right. And so this is a Shaolin Kanagar. This is a handmade, beautiful. I'm showing it tight to the camera for those of you who are watching as opposed to just listening. Yeah. It is a, it's, it's a true it's, cigar. It's, it's like a Dutch in, master. It's wrapped in rice paper and gold. Uh, there's, uh, there's different cannabis strains there's different oils and waxes and resins and oh it's a it, mix it's a mixologist joint <laughs> yes very much so I you did now you did you purchase this make yes, this I did. no i purchased it this comes from a young man named chris louie he lives in denver colorado it's the shaolin canagar all right and uh, you actually told me how much that particular item cost it's over two hundred dollars $200 for that one thing. Yeah. Needless to say, you don't smoke it all in one no, time. It lasts like two or three hours. So, do you know I, uh, I wrote a book called Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics that we haven't mentioned, mm -hmm. and I teach you to put THC into craft spirits and then mix tasty little cocktails. I uh, destroyed them on, the, on uh, live TV on Vice, and uh, they wanted to have a CBD cocktail that they could feel, and that's you know the biggest crock of you-know-what. Because CBD doesn't get you high, it doesn't do anything, you know. Well, that, don't say it doesn't do anything. Well, now I'm not sure I'm going to agree with that. I've talked to a lot of scientists about not just CBD but CBN. CBN, yeah. So this is a um, this is a gonjarilla. Yeah, careful with that one. That was a, a gonjarilla. This is a Cuban leaf aged five years, and then the cannabis is is from Northern California. It's really gorgeous stuff. From Humboldt County. From Humboldt County, correct. Which still, I believe, eighty percent of the illicit market comes from Humboldt County. Isn't it amazing, and and good people get arrested for doing not so good things. Yes, and I think that law enforcement really doesn't want to do it anymore, to be honest with you, because there are attorney generals that don't want to prosecute crimes for cannabis because there's so much, um, I don't know, movement on, on making this, this product uh, a legal product across the world. This, this is a dog walker or a friend maker. Do you know why? Well, it's short and sweet. Short, short and sweet, right, because it only has enough. Right, right exactly. You do. You go to the, you actually go to the head of the class. I would light this up here. Um, no, don't no, okay. Let's not do that, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're not, by the way, even if it was a cigarette, I wouldn't want you to open it up or light it up because if we're in a public, we don't want to do that. I don't want to cause any more trouble. And by the way, Warren, I think you're a troublemaker. I just want to say deep down. I, I am, absolutely. Yeah, it probably comes from 
a lot of things. So, you know, I'm coming out with a beverage. Yeah, this is what I want to talk to you about is the infusion world, right? Because uh, we had a chef on um, that infuses private dinners with uh, THC and CBD products. And why do you say that's trouble? Because you can't because there's no way of telling what the dosage is. They have very little, very little ability of telling what the dosage is. Well, actually, they talk to each individual person, so they want to find out your history with the product. And then they do know in each individual what they insert in the product because they have a dropper to do it. But everyone is different, and everyone has, you know, what, what affects me might not affect you. What affects someone else? When did, uh-oh, did you lose something? This is what happens when you smoke weed, you know. You never remember where your keys are, right? Am I right? Oh, absolutely. A keys, wallet. Phone, keys, wallet, phone. I, I had it somewhere. Anyway, it's in my Can we go back to the infusion debate, please? Because yeah. if, as a mixologist, though, I would think that you do support the idea that in 10, 15, 20 years from now, we will have an infused menu available at restaurants and then they'll have licenses. Or do you think that, am I too radical on that? Uh, I think you're too radical on that. I think there's a lot of stigmas that are still around. I'm going to be speaking about that at Benzinga next month in Miami Beach. Uh, I think that we live in a stigmatized society, and it's uh, it's troublesome. It really is. It uh, what it does is it perpetuates the idea that drugs are bad, and they're not. You know, if anything, alcohol is bad. Alcohol is poisonous, and I I feel very very strongly about about saying that because. Well, it's just my own personal experience. I don't drink anymore. I developed glaucoma, and I felt that drinking had a lot to do with it. And uh, I was being very careful of my own body and the way I took care of myself, and I wanted to live another 100 years. So I knew I wasn't going to do it with booze. And cannabis for me is my elixir. It also lowers my eye pressure because I have glaucoma. So my eye pressure has dropped down below normal, which is pretty good considering I... uh, I've only been in the program in New Jersey for about three years. Yeah. Um, New Jersey has a medical program. They have, I believe, what, six dispensaries, I think I read somewhere? That's, that's what they have right now is six. And yeah. there's pressure to obviously open up a lot more in that state. Um, what, what, is, what holds up? What is, the, the stig, is stigma still the biggest thing that holds up any legislature from moving forward on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I'm probably the only Democrat in Morris County. I think we have a Democrat mayor, but who knows for how long. And, uh, you know, the people are really conservative, and they have really closed minds. And I look to my own family. I mean, they uh, they look at me, and I'm certainly persona non gratis. And he, they uh, That's gonna hurt. made me the black bull. They have no idea what I do. They have absolutely no idea what I do. They know you're a writer, I'm guessing. No, not even that. Not even that. Do they know that you're the black sheep of the family pretty much? Well, I was signed off on it. <laughs> I think that's the word, signed off. Another thing we might have in common, although I don't think my family would ever admit that. I have a great family anyway. They wouldn't admit that they had the, that I was their son. You know, that was... That's a tough thing to handle. Any regrets, Warren? Any regrets? No, not at all. I'm my own man. You know, I support myself. I do everything I, I have to date by myself. And uh, it's the person that I want to be when I grow up because that's who I am now. So I'm, just gonna, I'm trying to find a, a picture of the beverage that I'm working on. I've, uh, I'm coming out with a beverage in, uh, hopefully by April. Why don't you text that, text that to me. Is that an iPhone? It's, it is an iPhone. So you can, you can airdrop it to me if you'd like. Don't do it while we're recording, right. though, okay? <laughs> okay <laughs> appreciate, do appreciate not that. Right. Right. 
Right, uh, but I'll show it. I'll show it. The cocktail is called Klaus. It's a it's a mocktail. It's a um, THC infused. It's live resin, water soluble nanotechnology. It hits in three minutes, and it sends you. Well, it's about a twenty five foot ceiling. It sends you up there. To La La Land. Um, but no where you where no alcohol? Where are you going to sell it? Only California. Yeah. Um, I'm having a producer put it together for me. We're using Mango Trainwreck as our strain. And the drink is uh, its similar to a mule, but I take it into another direction because of the quality of the ingredients. I'm using a ginger syrup, which is a spicy ginger syrup from Pickett's in Denver, Colorado, made by my dear friend Matt Pickett. We're using the Boiron uh, fruit flavors, the uh, lime flavor from France. Mm -hmm. So it has a very distinctive European flavor. Is that an aluminum can? It is, but it's a very special aluminum can because the THC does not stick. And the person who's doing the, uh, the production owns the patent on this can because THC does not stick to the inside like the other cans on the market. So we investigated that one very deeply. Um, there's also two different types of bitters, an orange bitters and also a lemon bitters, which deepens and balances a craft cocktail. Can I ask a question? Sure. How many ounces is it? Eight and three quarters. Okay, so you have created a, a product that you said if you have how many sips? Uh, it hits after uh, three minutes or so. So I would I mean, say you don't have to down the whole can though. Uh, no, no, you don't. It, it, I would say each can would probably suffice for two people. So that's my point. Expensive enough. I mean, it's gonna be about fourteen dollars a can. So, so that would probably get two people a nice, comfortable buzz. And, and if they were if they were listening to me and have read my book, Cannabis Cocktails, Mocktails, and Tonics, they would know that this type of drink would be delicious with like a four square rum. And then you get that nice a rum drink. And then you get that crossfade. Well, I'm a rum judge, so it's a you know it's a it's a crossfade. There you go. So that's Klaus, and we'll be seeing that in California at some point. California. Now, do you need a license to sell that in California? Uh, yes, it's it's crazy, the amount of licenses. But that's uh, that's why I have other partners, so they, they can hold the license. I hold the LLC. The LLC is in my name. That's fantastic. And now, Warren, you've shown us a little bit about what's in your bag, mm -hmm. okay? You've now shown me a product. What's a typical day in Warren Bo, Bob, Bobro, Bobro, Bobro's life. I do a lot of traveling. I, I just got back from, where was I? I was in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago. I was in Denver a couple of weeks before that. Um, I was in San Francisco recently. I do a lot of traveling out to the West Coast. I really enjoy the West Coast. It's well, it, where it, I belong. So. That's probably where you belong. That's where I was going I with that, too. Here. I don't belong here. Well, you belong at even, even though I love New England, but it's so damn cold here. You know, I, I like a, a nice temperate environment. As I get older, not that I'm old, but as I get older, I'm more sensitive to the temperature. I can totally relate and to falling that. down on ice. I do not like falling down on ice. Well, we've had a very interesting winter here in Boston. There hasn't been any ice. There hasn't. There's a little. Any snow. We're about 40 inch snow. Exactly. Compared to last year or the year before, yeah. It does not bother me at all. Um, Warren, what's next for you? Do you have another book on the horizon? I mean, you just, yeah, so you got six. I mean, what's seven? It's like the no, Patriots I'm Championships. You're not even six. We'd like I seven. I don't know. You know, my publisher is Cordo over in Beverly, Massachusetts. And I think the, the book I wrote on THC is probably the last book that they'll publish on THC, even though they did just publish an excellent book on CBD. But I have a lot of difficulty with CBD, perhaps because I haven't figured out what it actually does. 
Well, it works in conjunction with the THC. That much right. I can tell you about the entourage effect, yes. right? But most individuals don't know about that because right. because I get emails every single morning on my computer for CBD is the cure for cancer, and it's not. And and that's you know I know it's all spam emails, but it's like the unregulated vitamin you know explosion in the 1990s. It's it it's what is old is new again. I'm going to throw this theory at you. Uh, uh, something I've talked about many times on my. In the Weeds podcast, I've talked to oncologists about this. I've talked to Dr. Ryan Zacklin about this, who's a cannabis expert in the area here. In 1937, I think you and I both agree, they outlawed the wrong drug. Exactly. They should have outlawed alcohol and made that prescription only. Right. We know about DuPont and Hearst and the pulp industry and all this and Harry Anslinger and all these evil things. We've gone over this a million times. I, I get it. I asked an oncologist this. I said, you know, everybody's been looking for what? caused cancer. How did we get to this point where it has been one of the biggest problems that we've had in modern society? You know, thinking back to the 40s and 50s when the first cases started to, to right? Yeah. So it's my point, you genetic. took ma manipulation of genetics. That's what it is. But we look back and it was used as a medicine and then taken away from humanity. Took, and they took it out of our diet, right. which was really important for it to be in our diet. The endocannabinol system is in all of us. You know, it goes for me, it goes back to absinthe. Absinthe was vilified as being a hallucinogen. There is more which is the active ingredient in absinthe, in an orange or in an, in an onion, than there is in 10 bottles of absinthe. But the problem is that the French government saw that absinthe sales were cutting into the sales of wine, so they vilified it. And they said it caused uncontrollable hallucinations, which, caught, which led to Van Gogh cutting his ear. Well, big deal that he cut his ear. It wasn't the, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that it was overreached by the government to regulate something which really did have beneficial, you know, proponents to it. And the thing that, that absinthe did so well is it had wormwood in it, and everyone had intestinal worms because there was no refrigeration. So wormwood rid the body of intestinal worms. That's what it was for. That's what wormwood was for. And also, you know, thujone is another wonderful thing which works really well at, uh, you know, the, at body lice. So you could put the, the absinthe over your hair, over your body, and it'll kill the lice. We shower today, so we des definitely don't have those problems. But back in the 1800s, there wasn't really good indoor plumbing, and there wasn't really good, you know, people weren't taking care of themselves like they take care of themselves today. So the fact is, there were a lot of things that were cured, quote-unquote, cured by alcohol as a medicinal purpose, not as a recreational purpose. Right. Same thing with cannabis. Yeah. And, and, and here we are still trying to educate the public, public, undo 80 years of propaganda and stigma. And the science and the research is really leading the way. When I first got my medical card, I really wanted to learn about this new this new medicinal product that was being sold legally with a card, right? New right. new yeah. product. Well, you get what I'm saying. I mean, oh, of course. Grown new. How's right. that? Yes, right. of course. And it's something that, that has brought us to where we are today in this in this conference where people get together who might not necessarily even smoke weed. But I'd like to call them out. <laughs> I said, well, what the hell are you doing in our business? That's right. I, 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 Just I, an investment for you? I mean, really. 
Pretty much a lot of them are. And when you try to explain to them that you have this endocannabinoid system in every mammal, including humans, and this product is designed to interact with that to build your immune system. Exactly. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it made, made me feel better. It reduced the pressure in my eyes. It preserved my eyesight. It makes me a nicer and possibly kinder person, and I'm easier to get along with. And it probably saved my, my marriage as well. And you are a true party master. To me... That is absolutely one of the, the greatest compliments you can give anyone. Oh, absolutely. Is, yes, yeah, I, I, I can smoke all of you under the table. No problem. That would not be difficult with me. It's, it's easy. Well, we can get started whenever no, you like. I appreciate that. <laughs> 420 is only a few hours away. Let's just like, let's wait to the, uh, the celebration of that. Warren, Warren, Bob, Bob Rowe, Bob Rowe, Bob Rowe, Bob Rowe. Mangled. I got Warren right. You did. That was easy. Thank you very much. Warren Bobro, you got it. Warren Bobro is his name. You can Google him, and you can s come up with a whole bunch of stuff about him, including your story, which is pretty compelling. Thank you so much for sharing that with it's us. It's my pleasure. It's really my honor, and I'm so happy that you're teaching at Emerson, my alma mater. I wish they would spend more time paying attention to me rather than some of those people like Henry Winkler, but that's okay. He's famous for who he is. <laughs> What are you doing at noontime? You know, I control the class for an hour and 45 minutes. These kids have to sit there and listen to me. I would me. love to come in and talk to you. Well, we'll talk. We'll see about that. I have to go. I have this really good lesson plan that, is, that I worked on all day yesterday, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but perhaps another talk. Oh, absolutely. I would come back up to do this. I actually think we'll do something. I will pitch that to the Speakers Bureau because I think you would be terrific. Uh, thank you. I'm honored. I like Truly. That. I like that. All right, well, as again, this has been another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And remember, folks, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are Pro Cannabis Media.